Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811 at the end of this evening's program. For those stations smart enough to carry us live, you'll hear the uh, debate of the potential vice presidential, well, she is a vice presidential candidate, Kamala Harris, and the vice president, Mike Pence. Some comments on that later, plus I want to hear from you about that later. But I have some cleaning up to do around here with the media, the Democrat Party, and they're one and the same. So we have this poll from NBC that polls registered voters. This late in the game, nobody polls registered voters. They poll likely voters, if you want to get accurate. But NBC doesn't want to be accurate. And they say that Biden has a nationwide 14 percentage point lead. CNN, not to be outdone also polled registered voters, not likely voters. They said, no, 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 it's 16%. I got to thinking about this. Do any of you believe that Joe Biden will defeat Donald Trump in a massive landslide? That's what those numbers mean. One of the great modern landslides was Ronald Reagan's defeating Walter Mondale in 1984. Ronald Reagan on the popular vote got slightly over 18% more votes than Mondale. Do you think Joe Biden would get 14 to 16% of the popular vote against Donald Trump? When you look at the Republicans outregistering the Democrats in key battleground states, not by a little, but by a lot. Do you believe that? Of course not. Ronald Reagan defeated Jimmy Carter in 1980 in what was considered also a landslide by 9.74% popular vote. You think Joe Biden would do better than that? 
You think he'd get 14 to 16 percent against the President of the United States? Dwight Eisenhower beat Adlai Stevenson in 1956 in a popular vote slaughter by 15.4 percent. You think Joe Biden would get 15.4 percent more popular vote than Donald Trump? 1932, FDR beats Herbert Hoover by 17.76 percent. You think, you think Joe Biden would beat the President of the United States by 14 to 16 percent? You get my point, Mr. Producer? It's ridiculous. Obama beat McCain by 7.27 percent of the vote. And so according to NBC and CNN, Biden is on track of beating Donald Trump by twice that much. Twice the percentage. That's just not in the cards. And so these polls are not to drive your mental state, your emotional state. Don't let them dispirit you because that's their purpose. If you're still polling registered voters as opposed to likely voters, that's the goal. So I wanted to address that. I want to address something else. You're hearing all day long the media in this country say Donald Trump made a political mistake. He pulled the plug on discussions over coronavirus relief. And Nancy Pelosi goes out there making her disgusting comments while her face is melting right before our eyes that because they may have given some steroids to the president, he's not having a good mental health day. Why doesn't Nancy release her medical records? And why doesn't she release her tax records? After all, she's second in line to be president of the United States. Why? Because she's insane. She's a nasty old lady. Eva Pelosi. Now, what are they talking about? This is supposed to be a relief bill to help certain industries, like the airline industry that's cratering, some of the other industries, restaurants, small businesses, people who are unemployed and need help. Those are easy bills to pass. They come to about one point some odd billion dollars, really one, excuse me, trillion dollars, really one trillion. So the Republicans and the president go all the way up to 1.6, but Nancy says, no, 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 no. She wanted 3.2. Listen to this. Then she wanted 2.4. Then she wanted 2.2. Well, where's all this money going to go? Trillions and trillions and trillions. And by the way, the states, many of them still have billions from the prior relief bills. Well, I want to read something to you so we can get our facts straight before we jump into other issues here. This is why I hope you listen to the program. Betsy McCauley was the lieutenant governor of New York. She's very solid, very intelligent. And she wrote in the New York Post today, the House Speaker has been badgering the GOP to pass her $2.2 trillion coronavirus relief bill to, quote, crush the virus so that we can reopen the economy and our schools safely, unquote. And, of course, she knows and they know that the media will run with their lies and their mischaracterizations. And so it costs $2.2 trillion, you see, to reopen the economy and help our schools. She's a liar. She's always a liar. Instead, though, Pelosi never mentions it, Her bill would rewrite election law for 2020, barring voter identification requirements in all states, 
forcing all states to count absentee ballots that arrive as late as 10 days after Election Day, and imposing same-day voter registration everywhere, though currently only 21 states allow it. These changes don't belong in a relief or a stimulus bill, and that is how they permanently changed California from a truly two-party state, leaning Republican, to a one-party, dark blue state where the Republicans never have a chance. She took the policies out of her home state of California and put them in this bill. And the president said, no, we're not doing that. What the hell does this have to do with helping people and businesses? There's almost no disagreement between Republicans and Democrats over sending every American adult $1,200 check. It's a small part of the total of the bill. Small part. Pelosi's version would fritter away hundreds of billions of dollars, closing state and city budget gaps with nothing long-term to show for it. We won't be any more prepared for the next pandemic. The president has said, look, I'll help cities and states related to the pandemic, but I'm not going to bail out states pre-coronavirus. Whatever their fiscal situation was then, that's their problem. It's not up to the national taxpayer in the middle of a pandemic where we're trying to help people who suffered as a result of this pandemic to use it to bail out blue cities and blue states. And she's blackmailing the president and the Republicans, and she's blackmailing everybody out there who needs help. Pelosi's doing it. Now, if we didn't have a corrupt media in this country, you would be getting the facts. Pelosi's bill promises school districts $225 billion. But only $5 billion, or 2% of that, will go to making schools safer for improving air quality or installing sinks and other hygiene upgrades as a result of the virus. $5 billion out of $225 billion. It is a sop to the teachers' union right before the election. That's what they want. The rest is a teachers' union protection plan. Astonishingly, school districts that economize and reduce per-pupil spending or change labor contracts are automatically ineligible for stimulus funding. So in other words, Pelosi wants to reward the cities and states that reward the unions. This is in this bill. It's diabolical. The bill allocates $417 billion to state and local governments with absolutely no strings attached, having nothing to do with the virus, unemployment, or business bankruptcies. And she's doing that again to enable them to use it any way they want. Can you imagine turning all this money, massive sums of your money, really the money of the next generations, over to these Democrat mayors? When office buildings and convention centers, railroad terminals, and other workplaces are empty, the businesses around them fail. Retailers, shoe shines, food trucks, restaurants have no customers. In Manhattan and St. Paul, Minneapolis, only about 10% of office workers are back on site, worse than anywhere else in the nation. So to solve that problem, a sizable portion of the stimulus money should go to environmental improvements such as air cleaning systems, antimicrobial coatings on desks, keyboards, subway poles, she writes, and antiviral technologies that improve workplace and transit safety. But that's not what Pelosi's bill does. The $600 billion 
plus allocated the city, states, and school districts a staggering amount equivalent to the nation's entire defense budget would be used to plug budget holes for these school districts and cities. And it would all be gone by the end of the year. It's a massive redistribution of wealth to the blue cities and blue states. That's what she's trying to pull off here. The bill allocates $120 billion in grants for restaurants. New York City needs this help because half its restaurants are on the brink of closing in the next six months, taking 160,000 jobs with them. Unfortunately, the funding is saddled with unfair and possibly unconstitutional preferences for minority and women-owned businesses. Everyone needs help, but Pelosi puts in there the priority is for minority and women-owned businesses. Did you know any of this? Did you know any of this? This is why the president got fed up and said, you're not negotiating, honestly, with integrity. And this president, who knows how to negotiate, make a deal, that's why he cut it off. You either get your act together and get your ass in gear, or that's the end of it. And, of course, the media turn on him. Look at this during an election year. Trump is throwing the unemployed and small business over the, over the, uh, over the edge. The airlines over the edge. This has nothing to do with any of that. If Trump signed off on this bill... This country would be changed forever on elections, on subsidizing states. This is a massive power grab in this bill. The House bill spends some money wisely, $200 million for a vaccine awareness campaign, $20 million to upgrade the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's Disease Early Alert System, $500 million for a nursing strike force to respond fast when a nursing home is hit with COVID-19. But these important items are getting millions of dollars, while the politically cynical provisions get tens of billions. For example, $5 billion for community development block grants that the bill labels flexible resources. In other words, $5 billion for walking around money for local politicians. That's what's in our bill. There's no compromising with this. This is evil. This is diabolical. This is unconscionable. This is immoral. While people are hurting. And then I have to listen to liberals. Because, you know, we need to be balanced here. I have to listen to liberals on cable TV and network TV telling us that it's Donald Trump who's just politically hurt himself by cutting off Pelosi. They like to have their charts and their graphics on TV. How come they don't have charts and graphics about what the Democrats are demanding in these bills? They never do. Ever. Why? Because these newsrooms agree with the Democrats. And they hate Trump. And so you're never going to get facts from these newsrooms. Never. That just took me 10 minutes to read Betsy McCauley's column where she did the research and laid it all out. And by the way, unlike other broadcasters, I give her credit. But she just went through the particulars. Tell me, ladies and gentlemen, should the President of the United States continue negotiating with a witch like this? And should he have signed a bill like this? No, of course not. I'll be right back. in. Folks, I have something serious to talk to you about. 
I don't have to tell you that we're in a fight for the soul of the country. One side in our country claims that America was founded on banned principles and built on oppression. They've even put together a distorted history of America, the New York Times 1619 Project. The other side knows, like you do, that our country's done more to achieve and advance liberty than any other in history. The best way to fight back? Teach the truth. Today we can learn the true story of America from the college that's better at teaching it than any other, Hillsdale College. My friends at Hillsdale have put together a great free online course called The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. And folks, that's just what we need right now, hope. So get inspired. Sign up today for free at levinforhillsdale.com for Hillsdale's course on the glorious history of the last best hope on earth, America, and share it with others. That's levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Vice presidential debate night. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you need to understand, and most of you do, but your friends and family and co-workers need to understand, the Democrats lie. The media lie. And so this so-called relief bill, a small percentage of the money is actual relief. And if the President of the United States had gone along with this, it would have been a disaster in so many respects. The Democrats really believe the President of the United States should have signed off on this, but let me tell you something. If they hold the House and win the Senate, win the presidency, this is exactly what they're going to do. This is exactly what they're going to do. They're going to bail out all the blue states. They're going to bail out all these blue state cities. They're going to bail out all the pension funds. They're going to use debt and your tax money. You're going to see a massive transfer of wealth from the working class in this country, I don't care what party you are, to government. Massive. Because the power of the Democrat Party really isn't in the people, it's in government, it's in the iron fist. You will see a change in our election laws. You will see a rewrite of the election laws, barring voter ID requirements, forcing states to count absentee ballots that arrive as late as 10 days after the election, requiring all states to accept same-day voter registration everywhere. And these changes will be permanent, and they will make the Democrat Party a permanent majority party, in addition to adding four Democrats to the Senate, and then stacking and packing the Supreme Court so any decisions that go all the way to the Supreme Court, the outcome will be known in advance. And so right here in the bill, you can see their plans. Trillions of dollars to bail out the pension funds in the blue states and the blue cities. Trillions. We'll never come up from under in this. Never. Again, a massive transfer of wealth from working people, the middle class, to the Democrat Party, their governors, and their mayors. I'll be right. Folks, I have something serious to talk to you about. I don't have to tell you that we're in a fight for the soul of the country. One side in our country claims that America was founded on banned principles and built on oppression. They've even put together a distorted history of America, the New York Times 1619 Project. The other side knows, like you do, that our country's done more to achieve and advance liberty than any other in history. The best way to fight back? Teach the truth. Today we can learn the true story of America from the college that's better at teaching it than any other, Hillsdale College. 
My friends at Hillsdale have put together a great free online course called The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. And folks, that's just what we need right now, hope. So get inspired. Sign up today for free at levinforhillsdale.com for Hillsdale's course on the glorious history of the last best hope on earth, America, and share it with others. That's levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. It's true that Mark Levin is the fastest growing radio show in America. The Mark Levin Show is on at 877-381-3811. Which Kamala Harris will show up at the debate tonight? Which one? It's been said out there, they're leaking that she's going to be very compassionate. She's going to show the American people that she really cares. That's not very hard to do. But which one will show up? August 16, 2020, here's what I said about Kamala Harris's record. Cut 16, go. Let's take a quick look at her record since she's been a United States senator. And I want you to think as I go through this list that I made today, each and every one of these items, how radical it is and how wrenching it would be to our society. She is farther left than 97% of the Democrats in the United States Senate. She is left of avowed Marxist, democratic socialist, Bernie Sanders. She's not moderate. She's not a pragmatist like the New York Times and the others are trying to tell you. She would decriminalize illegal immigration. Decriminalize illegal immigration. She rejects a physical wall on the southern border. She compared the Immigration and Customs Enforcement Service, the men and women in federal law enforcement, who once people come here illegally, they commit crimes and other things, they, they try and uh, get them and deport them. She compared them to the Ku Klux Klan. She believes in government-run health care for illegal aliens. Imagine what that will do to health care. She believes in the elimination of private health care. Many of you have private health care. Many of you have private health care through your employer or through your union. That means 160 million people would lose their health care. She is a co-sponsor with AOC of the Green New Deal. What is the Green New Deal? To put it simply, it started in Europe. It is a socialist attack on capitalism. It would affect everything from automobiles and homes, heating and air conditioning, the kind of paint you use, everything the federal government would regulate. Everything. In other words, it's a war on capitalism. She wants to attack energy independence after all these decades where we're finally free of foreign countries and blackmail from OPEC and all the rest of it because of American ingenuity and the hard work of the American people. She wants to eventually eliminate, in short order, coal, oil, natural gas, all fossil fuels, and eliminate fracking. She wants to repeal the president's tax cuts for the middle class. She wants to massively increase taxes on all Americans. She supports infanticide, and even more, she believes you, the American taxpayer, regardless of your religion, regardless of your moral views, that you should pay for it. Abortion on demand, abortion as late as, as is demanded. She believes the federal government should have to approve any state law that seeks to uh, regulate abortion in any way before a state could actually implement it. She wants to ban what are today legal firearms by executive order in clear violation of the Second Amendment. 
She wants massive new regulations across the board. She supports Joe Biden's war on the suburbs, Obama's war on the suburbs, where the housing and urban development would basically decide all issues for the suburbs, where libraries would be, how many schools there are, whether you can have single-family homes, and on and on and on. She has said that she supports, if necessary, quote-unquote, the packing of the United States Supreme Court. And she believes in eliminating the filibuster. Now, any one of these things would be destructive to our constitutional system, to our economic system, to your liberty, and to your community. Any one of these things. Does that sound like a pragmatic moderate to you, ladies and gentlemen? That sounds like the most extremist, radical politician ever to run for high office in the United States of America. It is about as clear of an un-American, anti-capitalist, anti-individual, anti-constitution agenda as one has ever stated. And that is a fact. I'm back live. And what about this virus? Has Kamala Harris made any proposal other than to attack those who've been working at it? I want to remind you of what Dr. Fauci said when I interviewed him way back in March about the work of the task force, the vice president who heads the task force, the president of the United States. They love this guy, the Fauci. I want to remind you what he said, ladies and gentlemen. Cut one, go. Dr. Fauci, let me ask you a question. You've been doing this a long time. Have you ever seen this big of a coordinated response by an administration to, to such a threat, a health threat? Well, we've never had a threat like this, and the coordinated response has been, uh, there are a number of adjectives to describe it, impressive, I think, is one of them. I mean, we're talking about all hands on deck, is that I, I, as one of many people on a team, I'm not the only person, since the beginning that we even recognized what this was, I have been devoting almost full-time on this, almost full-time. I'm down at the White House virtually every day with the task force. I'm connected by phone uh, throughout the day and into the night. When I say night, I'm talking 12, 1, 2 in the morning. I'm not the only one. There's a whole group of us that are doing that. It's every single day. So I can't imagine that, that under any circumstances that anybody could be doing more. I mean, obviously, we're, we're fighting a formidable enemy, this virus. This virus is, 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 a, is a serious issue here. So two takeaways. He says it's impressive. And I can't imagine that under any circumstances that anybody could be doing more. In another part of the interview, he also says that Every recommendation he's given to the president, this is in March. The president has followed. He follows the science. So what's going on here? Well, Jane Fonda, Hanoi Jane, you may remember her. Hanoi Kamala Harris was campaigning with Hanoi Jane. Kamala Harris, who contributed money and supported uh, bail for rioters, has praised Black Lives Matter, which is an anti-Semitic. Marxist, anarchist organization. Well, Jane Fonda, on a video call, she kind of let the, the cat out of the bag. I want you to listen carefully. She's a big Democrat celeb, a big Democrat donor, and they embrace her. Hat tip, Washington Free Beacon. Cut six, go. 
we can stop fascism. We are at a point where we can, this is a crossroads. It's an existential crossroads. And, and we are people who can help determine which way humanity goes. What a great gift. What a tremendous opportunity. We're just so lucky. We have to use it with every ounce of intelligence and courage uh, and wherewithal we have, because you're absolutely right. This is it. This is it. And, Here we um, go. you know, I just think um, COVID is God's gift to the left. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is a terrible thing to say. I mean, I think it was a very difficult thing to send down All to right, that's us. enough. So COVID is God's gift to the left. They believe this. They don't say it, but she just did. Now, let's look at the Democrat Party record. Dave Seminara, the Wall Street Journal, back in April. Donald Trump is not responsible for COVID-19, but he's responsible for our slow, uncoordinated response, Joe Biden tweeted Friday, again, April 19th. Experts say that if we had acted two weeks earlier, more lives could have been saved. Trump failed to take swift action, and we're paying the price, quote-unquote. The Trump-acted-too-late storyline would be more convincing if Mr. Biden and other Democrats had called for bolder action early in the crisis, but they didn't. Democratic candidates held five televised debates, lasting nearly 11 hours, from January 14th through March 15th. They offered no policy proposals that haven't already been enacted and said little about the virus in the four events in January and February. There was plenty of talk of impeachment, but no mention of the coronavirus at the January 14 debate in Iowa. During the next debate in New Hampshire, February 7, a week after Trump restricted travel from China, Bernie Sanders and Amy Klobuchar mentioned China, but only in the context of climate change. Pete Buttigieg said the next president's going to face challenges from global health security, like what we're seeing coming out of China. But he didn't frame this as an immediate danger. That's on February 7th. The virus didn't come up at all at the February 19 debate in Nevada. Though Mike Bloomberg warned that the Chinese, quote, are going to die just as our people are going to die, unquote, as a result of carbon emissions. Mr. Buttigieg was the first Democratic candidate to mention the coronavirus explicitly on February 25 in South Carolina. So it didn't come up for multiple debates. His only policy suggestions, if you can call them that, for the president to, quote, listen to the scientists, listen to your own intelligence and coordinate with an international community. And this president has alienated because his idea of security strategy is a big wall. CBS's Gail King later queried the candidates about closing the border to Americans who've been exposed to the virus. Ms. Klobuchar vaguely asserted that she would better coordinate throughout my presidency to be ready for the next pandemic and to prepare for this one, and said she favored investing in education because I know the vaccine is out there in the head of some kid right now in school. Mr. Biden rambled about Ebola and establishing an office in the White House to handle pandemics and spoke of increasing funding to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and the National Institutes of Health. Mr. Sanders said much the same. Tom Steyer briefly mentioned the coronavirus before declaring that the biggest threat to America right now in terms of our safety of our citizens is climate. 
Mr. Bloomberg accused Trump of having defunded the CDC, so we don't have anybody to respond. In fact, though, Mr. Trump three times proposed reducing the CDC's budget for emerging and zoonotic infection diseases each time Congress raised it instead. But nothing was cut. Only on March 15 in Washington did coronavirus become a central focus. March 15th. And Trump had taken many steps by then. CNN had led its debate between Messrs. Biden and Sanders with a series of questions about the pandemic. Mr. Biden talked about providing assistance and ensuring every state had at least 10 drive through test centers before quickly running out of steam like a boxer hoping for a bell. Uh, I see my time is up here, he said, even though no one was cutting him off. And by the way, there weren't any tests that were available for the drive throughs by then, thanks to him and Obama. Mr. Sanders harped on Medicare for all and twice misidentified COVID-19 as the Ebola crisis before saying, you've got Ebola in my head here, right? You've got Ebola here, right in my head. Mr. Biden confused COVID-19 with the swine flu, which he called N1H1 rather than H1N1. And then forgetting the name Ebola, referred to it as uh, uh, what happened in Africa. Jake Tapper asked Mr. Biden if he could call for a national lockdown. Mr. Biden avoided the question. What I would do is what we did in our administration. I would call a meeting in the Situation Room of all the experts in America dealing with the crisis. I would sit them down and I would do exactly what we did then. What is it that we need? Listen to the experts. You see, ladies and gentlemen, they're all full of crap. Mr. Tapper asked, well, what consequences China should face for playing down the crisis and suppressing the doctor who called attention to it? Mr. Sanders said it wasn't the time to be punishing people and pivoted to criticizing President Trump. Mr. Biden again drifted back to Ebola and said we should insist on having our experts in China impose unspecified consequences if Beijing refused. At no point during any of these debates, January, February, March, did a Democratic candidate suggest that the country should be locked down or taken other social distancing measures sooner? As Arthur Conan Doyle observed, it's easy to be wise after the event. It's easy to be wise after the event. They proposed nothing. They were slow off the start. The president was quick off the start. Jane Fonda has it right. They're now exploiting this for political purposes. Meanwhile, we have therapeutics that have come out. Meanwhile, we have vaccines right at the precipice. This project warp speed, and I have to ask you a question. What have the Democrats done to help? Has Kamala Harris ever picked up the phone and called the head of the task force, the vice president of the United States, and said, hey, Mike, how can we help? What do you need from Congress? Nothing. I'll be right back. Folks, I have something serious to talk to you about. I don't have to tell you that we're in a fight for the soul of the country. One side in our country claims that America was founded on banned principles and built on oppression. They've even put together a distorted history of America, the New York Times 1619 Project. The other side knows, like you do, that our country's done more to achieve and advance liberty than any other in history. The best way to fight back? Teach the truth. Today we can learn the true story of America from the college that's better at teaching it than any other, Hillsdale College. 
My friends at Hillsdale have put together a great free online course called The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. And folks, that's just what we need right now, hope. So get inspired. Sign up today for free at levinforhillsdale.com for Hillsdale's course on the glorious history of the last best hope on earth, America, and share it with others. That's levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. You know, when Joe Biden was vice president, he had his chance to show leadership when it comes to a virus. The swine flu. His own chief of staff said it was a disaster. And in fact, it was a disaster. Even Politico said it was a disaster. Now we have a vice president who's led a task force and has worked very closely with the president of the United States on Operation Warp Speed. And in every respect, ventilators, hospital beds, PPEs, therapeutics, vaccines, in every respect, you have record-breaking progress. And that takes executive background, and the vice president has executive background as a governor. President of the United States has a private sector background. It takes experience. It takes knowledge. Sloganeering is great. Showing compassion is great. It doesn't save a single life. Now, Kamala Harris has not denounced the policies that were put in place in New York and New Jersey and Illinois and California and some of the other states in which coronavirus patients were forced into nursing homes and assisted living homes that didn't want those patients because of the frail, uh, you know, patients that they have. And yet over 40% of the deaths that occurred occurred as a result of decisions like that. So if they're concerned about over 200,000 deaths, how come they haven't condemned those governors and they haven't condemned those policies? State policies, Democrat policies. Not the policies of, of the president and the vice president and the task force. There's no question we're in a fight to save our country. And we're not going to war. And when you're going to war, rather, it's good to have soldiers like the Media Research Center on your side. They hold the media accountable because the American people deserve the truth. We no longer get the truth from the media. Just look at their coverage of the, of the debates. Or Judge Barrett. They couldn't be more dishonest. They lie, they distort, they deceive. They want to pack the court. They want to destroy the Supreme Court. They want to pack the Senate. They want to destroy the Senate. They want to destroy the legislative-making process. They want to destroy how we run elections in this country. Just look at the relief bill and what was packed in there. In other words, they reject the Constitution. Man, oh man, Ashevitz, am I loaded on debate night? Make sure you come back. I'll be here. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. The Democrat argument... And the coronavirus comes down to this. Why haven't you cured it? It's like saying, why haven't you cured cancer? 
or heart disease. If you just would have acted quicker and differently, you could have cured it. Of course, you can't. And this shows the ignorance that these left-wing politicians who seek to exploit this, this shows their ignorance. I don't think they understand what a virus is. I don't think they understand what a pandemic is. Look all over the world. Look all over the world. And so the goal here is going to have to be for the vice president to go on offense, explain what they've done, explain how extraordinary it's been, and explain that neither Kamala Harris or Joe Biden or any of the Democrat leadership have offered any substantive pieces of advice. And that in terms of wearing a mask and social distancing, that's what this administration has proposed uh, and has done. But even that in and of itself is not enough. One thing this administration did not do is put out directives to put coronavirus positive patients in with old people and sick people in nursing homes. Uh, That's what the governors did. And still, I'd be curious to know why Biden and Kamala Harris haven't criticized that. It resulted in the death of tens of thousands. They haven't criticized it. Not once. And they don't really have a plan. They just have a plan of attack. And they know there's a lot of sick people, and they know a lot of people have passed away. And so they're trying to um, to use that for political purposes. I want you to hear, and by the way, they've already started saying that we know, look, we know Mike Pence is going to lie, 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 lie. That's what they do over there. The Republicans are there. They lie and they lie. And they're all over TV saying that. And I noticed Joe Biden did that when the President of the United States was speaking. You know, Reagan had an old line. He said, there you go again. There you go again. Let's, uh, let's listen to what the President had to say today, just a little while ago. It really was compelling. A video that the President put out that I watched during the break. And I want you to listen to this. You see... You and I, we're a national town hall meeting. We don't have all the static between you and me. We don't have all the uh, 14-year-old commentators between you and me. We don't have all the leftists. It's just us. So let's listen to what the president had to say. Go ahead. Hi, perhaps you recognize me. It's your favorite president. And I'm standing in front of the Oval Office at the White House, which is always an exciting place to be. I got back a day ago from Walter Reed Medical Center. I spent four days there and didn't have to. I could have stayed at the White House, but the doctor said, because you're president, let's do it. I said, fine, you tell me what to do and I'm going to listen. These are great professionals. They've done a fantastic job. And by the way, not only at Walter Reed, all over the country, we have the greatest doctors in the world. We have the greatest nurses, the greatest first responders, law enforcement, by the way, incredible firefighters, everybody. They're just great. We have great people. This is a great country. But I spent four days there, and I went in. I wasn't feeling so hot. And within a very short period of time, they gave me Regeneron. It's called Regeneron. And other things, too, but I think this was the key. But they gave me Regeneron, and it was, like, unbelievable. I felt good immediately. I felt as good three days ago as I do now. So... I just want to say we have Regeneron, we have a very similar drug from Eli Lilly, and they're coming out and we're trying to get them on an emergency basis. We've uh, authorized it, I've authorized it. And if you're in the hospital and you're feeling really bad, I think we're going to work it so that you get them and you're going to get them free. And especially if you're a senior, we're going to get you in there quick. We have hundreds of thousands of doses that are just about ready. 
I have emergency use authorization all set, and we got to get it signed now. And you're going to get better. You're going to get better really fast. This is things that nobody even thought of a few months ago. The job that the scientists, the labs, everybody have done is incredible. Then in addition to that, you have various other uh, drugs that help a lot. But these, I view these, I know they call them therapeutic. But to me, it wasn't therapeutic. It just made me better. Okay? I call that a cure. So I want to get these things done. So... We have to get them done. We have to get them approved. I want to get them to the hospitals where people are feeling badly. It's much more important to me than the vaccine. But on the vaccines, we have many companies that are in final stages for the vaccines. Johnson & Johnson, Moderna, Pfizer, all great companies, but many of them. And we're going to have a great vaccine very, very shortly. I think we should have it before the election. But frankly, the politics gets involved, and that's okay. They want to play their games. It's going to be right after the election. But we did it, nobody else. Nobody else would have been able to do it. The FDA has acted as quickly as they've ever acted in history. There's never been a time, and no president's ever pushed them like I pushed them either, to be honest with you. But the FDA is approving things in a matter of weeks that used to take a matter of years. So we have these drugs, Eli Lilly and the others that are so good. But they are, in my opinion, remember this, they're going to say that they're uh, therapeutic, and I guess they are therapeutic. Some people don't know how to define therapeutic. I view it different. It's a cure. For me, I walked in, I didn't feel good. A short 24 hours later, I was feeling great. I wanted to get out of the hospital. And that's what I want for everybody. I want everybody to be given the same treatment as your president, because I feel great. I feel like perfect. So I think this was a blessing from God that I caught it. This was a blessing in disguise. I caught it. I heard about this drug. I said, let me take it. It was my suggestion. I said, let me take it. And it was incredible the way it worked. Incredible. And I think if I didn't catch it, we'd be looking at that like a number of other drugs. But it really did a fantastic job. I want to get for you what I got. And I'm going to make it free. You're not going to pay for it. It wasn't your fault that this happened. It was China's fault. And China is going to pay a big price what they've done to this country. China is going to pay a big price what they've done to the world. This was China's fault. And just remember that. So we're going to get you the drug. It's going to be free. We're going to get it into the hospitals as soon as you can, as soon as we can. And you'll see some amazing things happen because we have our military is doing the distribution. It's called logistics. And they deliver hundreds of thousands of troops in a matter of days. This is easy stuff for them. Our generals already, we're waiting for the emergency use authorization, and the drug companies have just made a lot of it. So hopefully this is going to be not just a therapeutic, it's going to be much more than a therapeutic. You're going to get better, you're going to get better fast, just like I did. So again, a blessing in disguise. Good luck. What a remarkable human being, seriously. The energy, the fortitude, the motivation, the desire to help his country. He didn't need any of this, but look at him. Joe Biden, his entire life has been living inside the Beltway, completely out of touch. The media love him because he has spent 50 years with the media. All he knows, all he knows is politics. That's fine, but he's never even been an executive. Never. Mike Pence was governor. And he stepped down from that position to run with the President of the United States. 
Joe Biden couldn't have done any of this. Kamala Harris wouldn't even know who to call. She picked up the phone. She doesn't even know what a pharmaceutical company is. Except when she litigates against them to try and destroy them, I suppose. But they have no idea. As I said before, you heard Fauci early on in March talk about the effort early because the president and the vice president are attacked for their early steps. Fauci said impressive, and I can't imagine anyone doing anything more. That's Fauci. And of course, Joe Biden had nothing to contribute in any of the early series of debates, and neither did Kamala Harris. In fact, she dropped out by then. But if they have great ideas, let's see them. What are they exactly? Well, they don't have great ideas. To the extent they have any, Joe Biden's plagiarizing again. But I just want you to understand, folks, that already the propagandists for the Biden campaign and the Harris campaign, they're out there saying that Mike Pence is a liar. Now, Mike Pence is not a liar. He's a man of deep faith. They can't have an honest debate, these people. It's a great piece, The Washington Examiner, by Quinn Hillier. Biden has been wrong or worse for his entire sorry career. Just for purposes of argument, let's stipulate that President Trump is a bully, a liar, a racist, a sociopath, and so forth. Of course, I don't stipulate any of that, but he's trying to make a point. That still doesn't absolve the media of its obligation to examine the equally powerful evidence that Joe Biden is a liar, a serial plagiarist, a foreign policy numbskull, a political coward, and a useful idiot for the radical left. As for cowardice, it's beyond all reason that Biden doesn't face repeated questions and harsh criticism from every media outlet about his refusal to say whether he would sign a bill to pack the Supreme Court. It's one of the election's most important issues with momentous ramifications for the court's independence and the nation's future. It's mind-boggling to see Biden change his position four different times on whether, as president, he can implement nationwide mask mandates, quote-unquote. He's been flip-flopping like John Kerry. And manning to see him skate on why he opposed Trump's virus-restricting partial ban on travel from China. It defies all journalistic standards for editorial boards to not demand answers about why Biden ferried his troubled son Hunter on Air Force Two to China when Hunter was seeking lucrative business deals from entities controlled by the communist Chinese government. And more broadly, why isn't Biden forced to answer for the entire family profiteering ring and even the decidedly non-conservative Politico dubbed it Biden Inc.? Biden Inc. And if money isn't to blame, why isn't Biden asked why he has been so soft on China for so long? Why isn't it demanded that Biden renounce the communist terrorist-inspired Black Lives Matter organization, not the slogan, the group, the way Trump is expected to denounce white supremacists, especially when his party's whole convention passed without a concerted effort to distance itself from anarchic street violence? The media haven't pressed Biden on his call to eliminate the individual right to work enjoyed by 166 million people. It hasn't asked him to explain exactly how his campaign can say the prohibitively expensive Green New Deal is a crucial framework, quote-unquote, for policy, while he says he himself isn't for the Green New Deal. That seems like an unsquareable circle. Biden certainly has skated on his role, second only to the late Ted Kennedy, in poisoning the judicial confirmation process. Was it right for him to help lead Democrats to filibustering a Hispanic 
qualified candidate by the name of Miguel Estrada? Why, other than blind ambition for the presidential nomination in 1988, did he completely reverse his earlier specific statement that Robert Bork would be a perfectly acceptable Supreme Court pick? Does he countenance his Democratic colleagues' repeated attacks on the faith, on the religion of judicial nominees such as Bill Pryor and Amy Coney Barrett? On foreign policy, it's now evident that Biden was wrong to oppose Ronald Reagan's defense buildup, wrong to oppose almost every aspect of Ronald Reagan's policy of rolling back communism, wrong to oppose the 1991 Gulf War, wrong to advise against the raid that killed Osama bin Laden, wrong to lie about whether the American embassy in Benghazi had requested more security that was never provided, wrong to support Barack Obama's precipitous troop withdrawal in Iraq, And in the words of former CIA Director and Defense Secretary Robert Gates, wrong on every, nearly every major foreign policy and national security issue over the past four decades. And I would ask, add, wrong on the Iran giveaway deal and wrong on his failure to support Israel. For his 36 years in the U.S. Senate, most of the media knew Biden as a blowhard and a bungler. Yet they won't hold him to account. Maybe Wednesday night's vice presidential debate moderator, Susan Page, will at least ask the vice presidential candidate, Kamala Harris, to defend her running mate's sorry record. If so, it'll be the very first time. Problem is, Kamala Harris's sorry record has to be explained to. And Susan Page, this commission on presidential debates has to be eliminated. I don't care if Frank Farenkopf's there long ago was the chair of the RNC. He's a nitwit. He's an idiot. He's a rollover. Where are they getting these moderators from? Susan Page just wrote a slobbering book about Nancy Pelosi. Did you know that, Mr. Producer? She just wrote a book on Nancy Pelosi. And she's the moderator. They can't do better than this? I'll be right back. I'm going to be really direct with you. If your cellular plan is with Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, you're simply paying way too much for the exact same coverage you would get right now with Pure Talk. So look at your cell phone bill where it shows data usage. The average person who switches to Pure Talk is using less than 4 gigs of data a month. But the big carriers are charging you for unlimited data. It's like paying for an entire row on an airplane, but only needing one seat. That's how Pure Talk saves the average person over $400 a year on their wireless service. Unlimited talk, text, and 2 gigs of data, all for just $20 a month. And if you go over on data usage, they don't charge you for it. So folks, switching to Pure Talk is the easiest decision you'll make today. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. When you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N Podcast. That's Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. So annoying these TV networks bring on these loser candidates who couldn't even get the nomination of their party to tell us what's going to go on in the debates and then they start trashing Trump and, and Pence just appalling and you know uh, 
there is Buttigieg attacking the president and the, uh, what's her name, Stormy Daniels situation. But of course, this is why I spent so much time on Levin TV and released it to the nation and you. On Joe Biden and Tara Reid. They never talk about Tara Reid. And yet he raped her. The definition of rape. He raped her. And he gets away with it. That is, it's not even an issue. I mean, at least even with Bill Clinton, at some point it came up. Now, the moderator has written a book about Barbara Bush way back when, but she's writing a book that will be released in April about Pelosi. And she says, Nancy Pelosi's been in the history books, this is Susan Page, the moderator, since she became the first woman House Speaker in 2007, of course, the highest-ranking woman in American history, Page explained to Pelosi's intrigue. What that may miss is that she would be in the history books anyway, as the most consequential speaker in modern times since the legendary Sam Rayburn. They already have a cover. Pelosi has that weird look on her face, but it's intended to be a positive cover. Madam Speaker, it's called. Nancy Pelosi and the Lessons of Power, a biography by Susan Page. I don't know how Susan Page will debut tonight, but she shouldn't be anywhere near a debate as a moderator. I mean, again, I don't know where they're getting these moderators from. There needs to be a candidate, particularly in the Republican side at some point, that says, I'm not honoring the commission of presidential debates. I don't know the history of it. I don't give a damn. But we're going to debate. The two campaigns will work out the details, and that's the way it goes. Because they do affect how the ebb and flow of the debate goes. And then when it's over, they get back on TV slamming away. It's unacceptable. To me. And so you already have, you know, you already have it out there. That is the, the lies that the Democrats are going to tell. There, there, that, that Pence, he's going to lie and lie and lie. And it's really not Kamala's job to correct him. Hmm. This is what they do. They reverse the finger pointing. They reverse the finger pointing. Jane Fonda said that this virus is a blessing for the left. That is, for the Democrat Party. It's a blessing. What else would the Democrats run on, honest to God? Would have had a massive economy. And I want to talk about the economy when we come back. What the Democrat plan is. What the Kamala Harris plan is. What the Joe Biden plan is. They want to build up the economy, Mr. Producer, but it's just not ours. Apparently, they want to build up China's and Russia's and Iran's. Because by hurting our economy, they're building up these foreign economies. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? 
Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Mark Levin, the most popular conservative author in America. Call in to the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811. The five most important issues to the American people. Number one, the economy. Number two, terrorism and national security. Number three, education. Number four, health care. Number five, crime. What's your health care plan? You know what my health care plan would be, ladies and gentlemen? To protect the private sector health care and the health care of 160 to 180 million Americans from the Democrat Party. And to try to expand private sector health care, which would also be compelled to cover pre-existing conditions, as they, it is in most states. It's really a non-issue, but the Democrats like to play it up to scare people. To expand private sector health care through a number of economic uh, credits, and, uh, and so forth, not to centralize it and nationalize it. Democrats want to destroy Medicare. How? You have to be 65 or older to qualify for Medicare. They want to lower it to 60. Well, okay, well, Medicare cannot handle that load. It simply cannot, in addition to illegal immigrants. So you will destroy Medicare. So their prescription is for destroying Medicare. And then they want to have a public option like Medicare. So even if you're 40 years old, There's a public option. It could be Medicare. It could be something else. They're not very clear about that. That would be another drain on Medicare. So all you people who have contributed to Medicare for when you're 65 or older, uh, illegal aliens will be eligible. They're going to lower the age to 60. They're going to destroy Medicare. These people don't know how to run a uh, a garage sale, let alone a complex medical system and healthcare system. Now, they can tell you they do, but it's the economy. They like to talk about the last three years of the Obama economy. Let me ask you a question. You folks out there, you, you folks out there who have lived this. The last three years of the Obama economy. Did you do well in the last three years of the Obama economy? No, most of you did not. You didn't do well. Otherwise, you would have elected Hillary Clinton and the Democrats. You wanted to change for a reason. The economy exploded in growth and opportunity under the policies of the President of the United States. Particularly for black Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, and women. So the prescription's known. The process by which you do this is not complicated. It's simple. You open up the economy and you support the private sector. The Democrats, in their 110-page manifesto, have no intention of doing any of that. It's all about government, it's all about regulations, it's all about redistribution of wealth in a way that we've never seen before in American history. And sometimes I wonder if Biden and Kamala Harris have even read it. Because the media don't want to discuss it. So the first issue is the economy. The second issue, terrorism and national security. Joe Biden has been a disaster when it comes to national security and foreign policy, and he has sat on that foreign Affairs Committee, even as chairman, for a long, long time. 
the Iran deal, where they, where they armed Iran with billions and billions of dollars. Threatening Arab states, threatening Israel, threatening European countries, but most of all, threatening us. And when it comes to China, I'll talk about, you know, the, the biggest debt ever with China and so forth. This president of the United States, it's like turning an aircraft carrier. He's been turning this aircraft carrier. He's wrestling China on the economy, wrestling it to the ground. He's having to defend uh, geopolitically areas of the world that the Obama-Biden administration surrendered to the enemy. They did nothing about China in the South China Sea and its threats against its neighbors. This president has, and he's built a space force to address their expansion of satellite weaponry. He's got trade deals in there that confront China. He's got tariffs on China in order to protect our industries. Biden didn't do any of this stuff. Obama didn't do any of this stuff. None of it. Education. Biden doesn't support education. He supports the education bureaucracy. He supports the NEA and AFT. By the way, I went on the website of the National Education Association, and they're strongly encouraging school districts to teach Black Lives Matter indoctrination and information. So Biden doesn't support education. He supports the education bureaucrats. He supports the union. But he doesn't support the teachers, and he doesn't support the children. Particularly in the inner cities. This man has been in the Senate. He was elected in 1972. He's been in the Senate since early January 1973. He's done nothing for minorities when it comes to education. Nothing. And by the way, he did nothing in the 1970s to help desegregate Segregated schools. In fact, he worked with the segregationists to help prevent it. Nothing. Nothing in his entire career. What did he do to help fight segregation? Absolutely nothing. And today, he opposes school choice. Oh, that money will be drained from public schools. No, it won't. The goal of education is to educate children. Not to benefit the bureaucracy. And so you you allow competition, you allow liberty, you allow an opportunity for a kid, particularly in a tough neighborhood where the government facility down the street isn't particularly safe and they're not particularly learning very much, to go somewhere else. It's a civil rights issue. Then when we get the health care, all they want is European-style, centralized, universal, socialist health care. Well, we know that doesn't work. Long lines, rationing. People die under that kind of care. You want it, you can go to Canada. You want it, you can go to Britain. We had it at the VA until the President of the United States decided, wait a minute, we've got to introduce some competition here. Now, 91%, 91% approval rate at the VA. Under Biden and Obama, over 300,000 vets died from all kinds of management abuses, including waiting times. Waiting times. And crime. Crime. The Democrat position on crime is blame the cops. The Democrat position on crime is blame law and order. It's not blame the perpetrators, and we know this because Kamala Harris, who would be vice president if she has her way, was cheerleading for Black Lives Matter, but even more than that, was participating in the bail movement to allow individuals who were arrested by police to be released through this so-called bail reform movement that allowed violent 
criminals back on the street, only to do again what they'd already done. And when it comes to crime, we could talk about the Biden crime bill of 1994. Mr. Tough on Crime. He writes a bill. He's not just a sponsor. He's the main author. The Democrat Congress, a Democrat president called Bill Clinton signs it, 1994. And what is that bill aimed at? Black people. Now he says, I wish I didn't go. Wish? You wrote it. He wrote it. The top five issues. And whenever you tell the truth about a liberal, they call you a liar. And they're using that word a lot on the Biden side, which is really remarkable, considering Biden's entire career is as a liar and a plagiarist. Whether it's college and law school, where he flunked the class because he plagiarized and he begged to take it again and he was able to take it again. Whether it's stealing speeches from Robert Kennedy or Neil Cunnock. Whether it's lying about his GPA and so-called scholarships and his IQ. This man's run for president. This is his third time. And we don't need lectures by him and from him about race. I did an entire 10-minute segment on Hannity on this the other night last week. Entire segment. The things he said, the things he did. And he points to Charlottesville. Charlottesville's the reason he decided to get into the race. No, it's not. This man has been desperate. He's the Harold Stassen of the Democrat Party. He's been desperate to be president of the United States. He was going to run no matter what. Charlottesville had nothing to do with it. Besides, the president didn't say anything wrong in Charlottesville. Despite what Jake Tapper keeps repeating, because Jake Tapper is a liar and a propagandist. Aren't you, Jake? Democrat Jake. Jake the fake. Now, please, shut the televisions off after the debate. Because I'm going to tell you, Kamala, that Kamala was smooth. She showed emotion. She could really relate. She was absolutely superb. You know, Mike was a little stiff. Uh, he seemed a little too practiced, a little too mechanical. He didn't, he didn't seem to show the passion and the emotion for the American people going through this pain. I'm already telling you what they're writing and said. They're already there. So who gives a damn? After you watch the debate, shut the television. I usually typically go, frankly, I'll go to Fox to watch it, and then I shut it off. I don't need people to interpret for me what I just watched. Do you, Mr. Producer? It's like these idiot left-wing websites. They interpret what I say. Mark Levin said this. Folks, everything I say on this show for four years is on my website for you to go and look at the recap the next day. That's what they do. They go to my recaps. All right, let's entitle our piece this. Just listen yourself. And now we even transcribe the first hour the next day. You don't need people to interpret for you. It's going to be in plain English. And watch. Even when it's all done, no matter how great Mike Pence is, it's not going to be great enough. And they're going to find a way to attack Trump. This is what they do. This is not a free press. This is not a press interested in news. These are propagandists for the Democrat Party. Just remember, they were in. They were part of the conspiracy to take out this president. They worked with the Hillary Clinton campaign. They worked with the Obama administration, the FBI, the CIA. They worked with these elements to try and take out candidate Trump. 
President-elect Trump and President Trump. And they're ignoring all the information that's coming out now that shows that Barack Obama has his own blue dress with his DNA on it. It's incredible. The greatest scandal in American history. And the media aren't covering it. So why would you hang around to listen to what they have to say after the fact? Why frustrate yourself? I don't. In fact, if they say something, it's Mr. Producer who will pull a clip and then the next day I'll deal with it. But I don't need people to interpret for me, particularly people I don't trust. Or even people I do trust. I don't need them to tell me what I just heard and saw with my own two eyes and my own two ears. And neither do you. We'll be right back. I'm going to be really direct with you. If your cellular plan is with Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, you're simply paying way too much for the exact same coverage you would get right now with Pure Talk. So look at your cell phone bill where it shows data usage. The average person who switches to Pure Talk is using less than 4 gigs of data a month. But the big carriers are charging you for unlimited data. It's like paying for an entire row on an airplane, but only needing one seat. That's how Pure Talk saves the average person over $400 a year on their wireless service. Unlimited talk, text, and 2 gigs of data, all for just $20 a month. And if you go over on data usage, they don't charge you for it. So folks, switching to Pure Talk is the easiest decision you'll make today. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. When you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N Podcast. That's Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. You know, I think debate coverage has gotten worse over the years. It goes on for days. Honest to God, I don't even remember in the 1980s when Reagan was running, and I was very focused on that campaign because I was involved in it at the grassroots level. I, I don't remember all this pre-debate stuff going on for days and post-debate stuff going on for days. I just don't remember. People my age, maybe you could straighten me out. Maybe there was half a day, a day, but that, well, that's it. This, this constant, every day. I really don't remember this. And it really is intended to give a lot of time to commentators, a lot of opportunity to spin and promote and to affect the election. The media in this country are so corrupt, the process has been so poisoned. Even this race... The entire focus has been on the President of the United States. Now, my buddy Ben Shapiro blames that on the President. I absolutely don't, and we'll talk about that another day. But his entire administration, his entire almost four years as President, they've been focused on him and focused on everything about him and everything he's ever done and focused on his family. The idea that somehow he can, he can just change the focus onto Biden. Everybody knows that that's the best way to handle this, but it's not so simple, is it, folks? It's not the president shooting himself in the foot. It's so lopsided, the coverage, it's unbelievable. I've never seen a campaign like this where the, the candidate for one party, the Democrat Party, is able to tell the, 
the media to pound sand, and they're happy to pound sand. I'm not going to give you an answer on the Supreme Court. Oh, okay. I'm not going to tell you who my list of nominees might be. Oh, okay. President should have done something earlier. And what should he have done? Well, you know, whatever. Oh, okay. We need to have all kinds of transparency in the president's health. And very upset last week weekend there were some conflicts. What about Biden's health? We don't know anything. Oh, okay. You know, the president and Stormy Daniels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about Tara Reid? Oh, who's Tara Reid? Oh, okay. Guy's got 47 years in Washington, D.C. Making alliances with the media and so forth and so on. They won't even look into his record. His record of bigotry and racism. Juan, Queens, New York, the great WMAL. Quickly, Juan, how are you, sir? Hey, Mark, how are you, brother? How's it going? My man, Juan, good. How are you, bro? Hey, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I'm down in Percival now, so, you know, I, I left. Wow, there. you were in Jersey City, weren't you, or something like that? No, I was in Queens. Queens, uh, I, Queens, yeah, that's Queens. what I meant. Yep. That's right, yep. Well, hey, Mark, you know... Um, you know what, Juan, I, I misread the clock. I'm going to hold you. Don't hang up. We're going to carry over to the next hour. I definitely want to talk to Juan. Don't let him go. I apologize. Man, oh, Manischewitz, we have a big hour coming up. Don't miss it. I've only just begun. We'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. I don't normally do this, but I am going to do it again. March 22nd of this year coronavirus, the beginning of the full-fledged spread, Dr. Anthony Fauci, I interviewed him for Life, Liberty, and Levin, and I asked him a question, and the reason the answer is important is because you're going to see a rewrite of history. This is Fauci and me, March 22nd, cut one, go. Dr. Fauci, let me ask you a question. You've been doing this a long time. Have you ever seen this big of a coordinated response by an administration to, to such a threat, a health threat? Well, we've never had a threat like this, and the coordinated response has been, uh, there are a number of adjectives to describe it, impressive, I think, is one of them. I mean, we're talking about all hands on deck is that I, I, as one of many people on a team, I'm not the only person, since the beginning that we even recognized what this was, I have been devoting almost full time on this, almost full time. I'm down at the White House virtually every day with the task force. I'm connected by phone. Uh, 
throughout the day and into the night. When I say night, I'm talking 12, 1, 2 in the morning. I'm not the only one. There's a whole group of us that are doing that. It's every single day. So I can't imagine that, that under any circumstances that anybody could be doing more. I mean, obviously, we're, we're fighting a formidable enemy, this virus. This virus is, 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 a, is a serious issue here. Mm-hmm. That's March 22nd. And the Democrats didn't even get a, around to talking about it until sometime in March. During their debates, they never discussed it prior to that time. And now they, they talk about what they would have done and what should have been done. And unfortunately, too many Americans are buying these lies. Hopefully not enough. Joe Biden would handle the coronavirus better. Why? Because he walks around with a mask? Kamala Harris would? Nobody even knows. Where's Kamala Harris been for the last two months? Other than cheering on BLM and helping to, uh, to get bail to the rioters. I mean, seriously. By the way, have you noticed something, Mr. Producer? Other than Portland, pretty much? What happened to all the rioters? America, where did they go? Now, I know they're here and there, but where is Antifa and where's Black Lives Matter? I'm quite serious. You know what they're doing, Mr. Producer? They're laying low. They're laying low. They've been told by somebody or some groups of bodies, lay low. You're hurting us on the election. Now, that's not to say you don't see them sporadically in New York and Chicago. I'm not saying that they've gone away. I'm just saying you don't see it to the same extent. They're laying low. You don't hear LeBron James talking the last week or two. Laying low. It's the quiet before the next storm, as they say. They want to get through this election. But I find this pretty interesting. Look, I could be wrong. Maybe it'll all get inflamed, you know, the day before the election. But it's, but it's relatively quiet compared to what was taking place, isn't it? I'm not dreaming this, am I, Mr. Producer? Isn't that interesting, folks? They want to take that law and order issue off the table if they can. They want to take that law and order issue off the table. And so they're laying low. You remember, Black Lives Matter. One of the co-founders, I think there's like three co-founders. And uh, one of them said one of their goals is to defeat Donald Trump. As a matter of fact, he should resign. It will be hard to defeat Donald Trump. If you're still out in the streets burning down our cities, that could be problematic. They're not pulling down Confederate monuments, have you noticed? Because the president threw a $10,000 penalty, excuse me, 10 years in prison. But still, where have the reprobates, the miscreants, the malcontents, the Marxists, the anarchists, where have they gone? Again, here and there, but not like before. Listen, I, I, I see these things. I, things don't just happen. I don't believe in coincidences. I really don't. I really don't. The mob has been told to cool it. 
The mob bosses at Black Lives Matter and Antifa have told them to cool it. That's exactly what's going on. These are well-organized groups. They might be diverse, but in the end, they're well-organized. They're well-financed. They use paramilitary tactics. They are the paramilitary wing of the Democrat Party. Everybody knew it. And so they're hoping you'll forget. Are you going to forget? They want to focus on one thing and one thing only. The virus. Because they're responsible for absolutely nothing. And the president and the vice president have been breaking their backs to wrestle it to the ground. And so they can sit there. You know, you've been in school or in the workplace or whatever. You've seen people like this. You've got the heavy load. You've got the big responsibility. You even see it in the military and in, in, an athlete, in, in uh, sports, athletics. You take on the, a big role, either by choice or just because you're appointed, or whatever the reason. And people sit back and they can criticize you because they don't do anything and they don't have to do anything. When you're a former vice president running for president and when you're a senator running for vice president, you're responsible for absolutely nothing. So you can sit back and make all these allegations. You know, 207,000 people dead. That's on the president's hands. Now, everybody knows that's blasphemous, but it doesn't matter, see? Everybody knows that. But it doesn't matter. You look at the last month of the issues that the media have thrown at us and the Democrats. An Atlantic article, four anonymous sources, accusing the President of the United States of defaming the United States military. So absurd. A book by a disgruntled niece who didn't get her share of the will, apparently. She's on TV for a week or two. Before that, a book by a disgruntled former National Security Advisor, who's now under investigation and should be, John Bolton. Man, he had all the headlines. Even though they hate his guts, now everybody hates his guts. But nonetheless, we have this Woodward book by a man who can barely speak in complete sentences, like he has lockjaw. Sounds like uh, Catherine Hepburn in the day. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Try to concoct, create controversy. He's on 60 Minutes, but of course Tara Reid's on 60 Minutes, but a 60 Minutes Australia. But they always circle back to the coronavirus. They had no interest, none, in the early stages of the coronavirus. The Democrat Party thought they were taking the president out for impeachment. Then they were obsessed and focused on their own debates. They were very late to even raising the issue of the coronavirus. You know, if we were in office, uh, we we would have acted more quickly. What would you have done? Well, I would have pulled together a meeting, because that's what, you know, Harris and Biden did. I would have pulled together a meeting. The greatest expert. What the hell do you think the task force is, you idiots? And uh, I, would have, uh, I would have worked toward a virus, uh, excuse me, a vaccine for the virus. Uh, we have at warp speed. Well, we can't trust Trump. They always have an answer, and it's always irrational. What about the economy? We gave you the greatest economy. We gave you and Trump the greatest economy, Mr. Vice President. Oh, yeah, the last three years, people don't remember. 
It was utopia. Oh, it was magnificent. No, it wasn't. It sucked. The GDP barely grew. Barely grew. And we handed it off to you guys, so of course you were going to succeed. This is how they talk. And so, the top is the bottom, left is right. Uh, They know they're not going to get fact-checked too much by the media, because the media are cheering them up. Look what you have, you got this guy, Schmuck Todd. That's a good name for him, don't you think, Mr. Producer? Schmuck Todd. After all these years, I finally figured out a name. You got Schmuck Todd, a Democrat. His wife, also a Democrat. Got George Stephanopoulos, Democrat. Jake Tapper, Democrat. Wolf Blitzer, Democrat. D. Lemon, Democrat. Fredo Cuomo, Democrat. Got to go through the whole list? No, no, you don't understand. We're journalists. Jim Acosta, nut job, Democrat. No, no, no. I'm a journalist. That's my job. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. So Nancy Pelosi, she's on The View, with all four of her eyebrows, by the way, with her face melting in front of you. It's really a painful thing. She looks like Morticia from the Adams Family. At least that's my view. And she's very worried about the president's health. You know, she says she understands from people that when you take steroids, it can have effect on your mind. And she says that may well be in play here. You know, I have friends too, ladies and gentlemen, And they've told me that decades and decades of use and abuse of Botox can make you a stupid old woman. And there we have one, a stupid old woman, Eva Pelosi. Years and years of Botox, or is that applesauce or mashed potatoes that they're shoving into her face? It's just like John Kerry. He's talking to you, jaws moving around, the forehead's kind of sloshing around. This is where they take us, ladies and gentlemen, into the gutter. So into the gutter I go. Eva Pelosi. But Eva Pelosi's actually worse than that. Here's what she had to say on The View today. Who the hell goes on this show, The View, by the way? A bunch of yentas sitting around. Mr. Producer, ask the late, great Eva Nancy Pelosi if she'd come on the program again, would you? Tell her she'll have a far bigger audience than she has on The View. She never goes on a show where she'll be challenged. 
No. No. She's such a strong woman. You know what a strong woman is, ladies and gentlemen? It's my wife. It's my daughter. It was my mother. It's my mother-in-law. Pelosi's not a strong woman. She's a joke. Cut eight. Go. And I have no doubt that the president, in typical fashion, uh, will lie, cheat, and steal to win this election. Oh, I see. So, uh, So who's undermining faith in the electoral process? Eva Pelosi. Now, why do I call her Eva, for those of you? Because they keep calling Trump Hitler. So I figure I'll call her Eva, like Eva Braun. Why not? Why not? Isn't she the one who called our federal law enforcement? What'd she call them? Stormtroopers. She reaches back to the Third Reich to call people names, as do her supporters. The morning schmo with his bulbous nose. And Mika Brzezinski, chip off the old man's block. That's her problem, not mine. <laughs> He'll lie and cheat and steal to win this election. Meanwhile, she stuffs the relief bill with all kinds of crap that's intended to destroy our electoral process. And they will pass this stuff. Unless we turn out in landslide numbers and shock the world. Not just shock the world again, but shock them big time again. Let's go back to my buddy Juan, who's now in Northern Virginia. He left Queens, New York. And by the way, Juan, on that subject, I have an article in front of me that says that people are pouring out of these blue states, they're pouring out of these blue towns, they're moving into red states, and they're voting Democrat, for God's sakes. Oh, man, you, you, Mark, don't get me started. I, you know, I mentioned to a friend of mine the other day, if I had the money, I would personally plaster signs on 95 South that said, you know, leave your liberal policies up there because we don't want you here. I mean, enough and, that- and, and Juan, they're going into red and purple states and they're turning them blue. It's awful. But you know what, though, Mark? I, I, I got to tell you, I have faith in the American people. I, there's a lot of hardworking Americans that have never voted before that are energized because they're tired of it. I, so I personally know two families that have never voted. They're just apolitical, but they're voting for Trump this election. And I know also in New York a few Demo- lifelong Democrats that are going to vote for Trump. You know, one of those is an African-American. And I'll tell you why, because they're disgusted with these Antifa types. These are hardworking folks, folks that don't believe in the race card, you know, they, and they believe in... And, the- and by the way, uh, Joe Biden's significant and substantial racist past is being hidden by the media. Anyway, go ahead. Absolutely. 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 I mean, look at the last NBC poll, which to me was very telling after the presidential debate. You know, 66 to 34 approval amongst Hispanics, right? I mean... So I think the conservative base is growing. I, you know, the, the other thing, too, is I have a, a teenage son, and they don't get their news from the mainstream media, Mark. These, as you call them, the rising generation, they get their news from alternate sources. They stream everything. You know, if it weren't for those YouTubers that were out there actually videotaping the riots and the destruction that were caused by these Antifa types and the BLM types, you know, you would never see that on the mainstream media, but Americans know what is going on. But Juan, do you agree with me, just as an observer, 
We're both pedestrians looking at this, trying to sort things through. The rioting's really been tamped down through a lot of the country, hasn't it, in the lead up to this election? There's no doubt. And, and, and actually, I'll tell you this. I know a gentleman who went to Louisville in this last Breonna Taylor uh, rally. He's very conservative, but he went just kind of undercover because he wanted to see for himself. And he said he never saw such organizations. There were boots mm-hmm. providing legal aid for people that were like, they weren't inciting violence, but they were saying, you know, hey, if you happen to get in trouble, here's legal aid afterwards. And, you know, caravans pulling up with signs and, and very, very organized. So I have no doubt the point that you made before the break. There's definitely some big money behind what we're mm-hmm. seeing. And I think people realize that. And, Mark, this to me is why I think the president, there were some missed opportunities. He needs to harp on the fact that this is an election between a choice of two different parties and two different directions for the country. It's not just about Trump and Biden, right? This is, are we a republic that believes in the Constitution, that believes in our founding documents, or are we going to look like Minnesota at 2 o'clock in the morning during an Antifa riot? I mean, mm-hmm. it's as simple as that. And that's what, that's what the public is feeling right now. And th- that point needs to be pounced on. And if All I- right, Juan. Well, welcome to Virginia. My plan is to move to Florida at some point. Uh, just letting you know. I guess I'll be moving there with all the Democrats coming out of New Jersey and Connecticut and New York and Illinois and screwing around with that state. Democrats, live in your own crap hole. What do you want from the rest of us? I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Mark Levin, the cure for the common liberal. Talk to Mark now at 877-381-3811. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. In our effort to take back the House of Representatives and to remove Eva Pelosi, uh, we've looked around the country at some of the best candidates and some of the best districts where we can flip these seats. And one of them is the Illinois 15th Congressional District. Mary Miller's running there. Mary Miller for Congress. Mary, how are you? I'm great. Thank you so much, Mark, for having me on. I've been a listener and a fan of yours for years. Thank you. Well, then I'm all for you. I don't know. I really appreciate that. So, Mary, tell the country a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I have a degree in business and in elementary education, 
And for the last 40 years, my husband and I have run a grain and Angus cattle farm here in East Central Illinois, and we have a small beef business also. Um, I've been involved in education, and I've, we've raised seven children, and I'm proud to say that every one of them is a committed conservative. We just... Only we seven. Just, only seven. I'm, I'm hearty. <laughs> <laughs> um, we just welcomed our 17th grandchild, yeah. and I kind of visualize myself a little bit like a mama bear charging out of the thicket to protect mm-hmm. her cubs. Because this is a turning point in our nation, and I'm impassioned about wanting our children to recognize our country. And I want them to have access to the same opportunities that we've all had to pursue the American dream. And it's going to be quite a privilege to represent my friends and neighbors here in the Illinois 15. Have you held public office before? I have not. um, So you will be a citizen representative? I am. And at first I was kind of insecure about it, but I decided I represent two things that are foundational to our country. And one of them uh, is uh, small business and agriculture is foundational to our economy and a foundation to our society as the family. And I'm going to be proud to support both of those. Now what about your opponent? Well, I haven't seen much of her um, she hasn't actually lived in the district that long. I've lived here a long time, and I do feel confident that I represent the district. And, um, of course, with the help of you and your listeners, I do believe that I'm going to win in November, and I'm going to carry the conservative message to D.C. and be an avid supporter of our great President, President Trump. Now, is your opponent a huge liberal? I mean, sort of an out-of-stater um, yes, out type? Yes, I are polar on every issue. Mm-hmm. So I'm a, just a classical uh, constitutional conservative, and she is, you know, she's the opposite. And she's not. No. Um, <laughs> if people want to help you, Mary, where do they go? Uh, to Mary Miller for Congress, and I would really appreciate Is that dot .com? Mary Miller yes. for Congress dot com? Yes. And how is it looking on the on the ground there? Is, is your opponent raising a lot of money? Um, not as much as I've been raising, and I'm out and about in the district more. Um, of course, you know, I have to work around Governor Pritzker's lockdown, um, but I have a great team of volunteers. I'm out in the district. Actually, today I, I had three events in Vandalia, Illinois, which is home to the old Illinois State Capitol and also home to uh, President Lincoln's, uh, the beginning of his political career. And it was Vandalia's the place where he made his first public protest of slavery. So um, I'm, you know, just out about our district. He'd be uh, very upset about what's happened to his state of Illinois, I can tell you that. I don't uh, think he would recognize it. No, he wouldn't recognize it. Now, uh, how's your ground game? Do you have many volunteers? I do. I have um, uh, some youth working for us and then local people um, and, you know, the Republican parties throughout the district have been very helpful also. So, folks, if you want to help Mary Miller... In this district, that's crucial. It's one of the crucial districts that we want to hold on to here. 
Uh, it's Illinois 15th, and if you live in that district, you can help Mary Miller uh, volunteer, particularly at the precincts on Election Day. If you're not in that district, but or if you are, uh, she needs our support. The more of these folks we can support, the better chance we're going to have to take the House back. We only need 17 seats, and I'm presenting to you the candidates that have really the best opportunity to make the difference, and Mary Miller is certainly one of them. Go to MaryMillerForCongress.com, MaryMillerForCongress.com. I have it on Mark Levin Show Parlor, Mark Levin Show Twitter, and Mark Levin Show Facebook. That's MaryMillerForCongress.com. Mary, thank you for taking some time with us. Thank you so much. I appreciate what you're doing to help us get rid of Pelosi. Yeah, God bless you. <laughs> appreciate that. All right. Let's take a few more calls. The, the debate won't be for about another 23 or 4 minutes. When I'm done, I have to thank the Commission on Presidential Debates for that. I'm sure they sat there and said, look, we've got to do this after the Levin show. No, I'm just kidding. Chris. Winchester, Virginia, the great WMAL. Go. Yes, sir. Honored to speak with you, sir. Thank you. Um, I was I was inspired by uh, President Trump's comments after his experience of Walter Reed. Um, this you mean the video me, that came out about an hour ago? Well, I didn't see the video. I just actually I heard it on your program. Yeah. But it, yeah. Uh, you know, it reminded me of some seminal moments. One, um, you and I both worked on Ronald Reagan's campaign, and I remember during a debate when he said he would not use his opponent's uh, youth and inexperience for political right. gain. Right. It, it, something about that moment turned the tide. Um, when President Bush got up on that rubble pile at the World Trade Center, um, he really became the president for everyone. And, uh, and now... I, I, I hear President Trump graciously thanking God and his doctors for his uh, renewed health and pledging that all the citizens will get the same uh, therapy that he was able to get. I mean, it was simultaneously... Well, you got to hope people online are going to see this. And Fox played it, and hopefully everybody on talk radio plays it, but clearly these newsrooms around the country are not going to play it. They're going to ignore it. Well, but it, it, it so clearly showed leadership and humanity at the same time. I don't think mm-hmm. they can spin their way out of it. Um, no, they just ignore I, it, censor it. <laughs> that they well, can do, and they will. I don't know. I'm an optimist. I, 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 I'm, I'm, it's not a matter of being an optimist or a pessimist. It's reality. I think we've had experience with the press to know they're not going to do it. Well, it's close. and um, All right, thanks for your call. I mean... I'm an, it's good to be an optimist. You don't want to be a Pollyanna. Not that he is, but obviously the media are not going to play that. It's a five-minute clip. Has CNN played it? No. Has MSNBC played it? No. Have the networks played it? No. And they're not going to. And this is my problem. Each of us have to take control of what's taking place in this country. It's on the Internet. You can go onto uh, President Trump's site, his Twitter site, take that video, and send it all around. To everybody on your list, family, friend, and foe. It's not, well, I'm an optimist. They're going to run it on CNN. No, they're not. Now, come on, guys. We really have to harden up to this, don't you think, Mr. Producer? I'm an optimist. Sure, they're going to. They hate his guts. They hate our guts. Don't be an optimist. Be a realist and be a fighter. A fighter. Take the video and circulate it to everyone you know. Sit around and wait for MSNBC to... Well, you know, I believe in the human species. Now, let's go! 
Come on, take control. Please. It would be absurd not to. Oi. Jason. Kensington, Maryland. I guess you're WMAL country, too. How are you, Jason? Uh, good, mate. How you doing? I uh, Just going on your economy question earlier, I mean, the last three years of the Obama presidency, pretty much for me, I'm in a business that is kind of like a gets on the chopping block once the economy goes south. I'm, a, I'm an artist. I have a small art studio. Ah. And um, I could say in the last two years, I've had more work in the last two years than I have in the last 20 years combined. Mm-hmm. And if I mention that to people, I do just basically call you a liar. But um, it's just it's just been phenomenal. I mean, the, the business has picked up. And, you know, these people keep talking about inherited um, inheriting bad uh, economies. Trump's just come along and said, "Listen, I don't care what economy it is. I'm going to give the power back to the American worker, mm-hmm. and they're going to and they're going to bring it out for us." And they have. And and, and by the way, let me just add here, Jason. Basically, when you look at the 110-page communist, I mean uh, Sanders Biden manifesto, all they talk about there is strengthening their constituency groups. They want to strengthen unions. They want to expand unions. This is what they talk about, not about labor freedom, I call it, not about business freedom, not about capitalism, not about creating prosperity and opportunity where people really do have a chance to change their lives. There's none of that in there. It's all government programs, government redistribution of wealth, government steal from this person, give to this person, all kinds of affirmative action in there. It just goes on and on and on and on. It is a disaster. An absolute disaster. Thank you for your call, my friend. I want to get to as many as I can. Danny, Los Angeles, California, the great KRLA, 870, the answer. Go. Hi. Hi. So I've lived in Southern California my entire life. I'm 60 Mm -hmm. years old, Mm -hmm. and I have never, ever seen so much support for a president in my entire life. I drive down the highway. No, no, no. no, let's, Let's slow down a second. Yes, you have. Reagan won the state. Donald Trump is not going to win California. I want you to vote for him. I want as many people as possible. But anecdotally, maybe so. But the fact is that President Trump is not going to win the state, which is why he's not campaigning there. He may not, but there are trucks and there are pop-up tents all over the place with Trump gear. There are trucks driving down the highway with huge flags, Mm -hmm. Trump tents. I've seen maybe 10 Biden um, Harris signs in yards. Well, have you been around L.A.? And Penn, all have my you, life. Have you been around Los all Angeles? Hello? Uh, yes, I'm in Ventura County. But Okay, then know. I think you'll see a lot of Biden signs around L.A. and San Francisco and places like that. I have so much hope because I've never seen so Jeez, many I don't signs know. and so All right, thanks for your call. All right, well, there he is. He's going to win California, Mr. Producer. Hmm. It's like saying CNN's going to run the video, I guess. I don't know what else to say. Well, there you go. I'm glad you're happy. That's good. I want as many people to vote for the president as possible. I don't care what state you're in. We've got to run up the popular vote as much as possible because we know what the propaganda is. Whether you're in California or New York or New Jersey, vote, 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 vote. Absolutely. But you've never seen as much enthusiasm. That's just not the case. 
I mean, California went for Reagan twice. It actually went for George H.W. Bush, too. They've destroyed the state. They've changed the demographics. They've changed the population of the state. And so there just aren't enough Republicans in the state anymore. That's what they did. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Trust me, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to want to shut the TV after the debate. I'm watching. Trust me on this. I know what I'm talking about. I am a little concerned, like that one caller said on the video. I have faith that CNN and MSNB folks, you can have faith, but you also have free will. You've got to be in this election. You've got to participate in this election. It's not enough to be passive and just vote. Don't have faith in CNN and MSNBC and the goodness of the left. They're not good. We wouldn't be where we are today. Please make the calls. Please take this seriously. Many of you have. Some of you are not. Help us get the vote out. Don't rely on other people. And yes, you can have faith, but don't rely on that alone. God gave you free will. We're not going to win. I want to remind you, my beloved audience, my Levinites, my family... We already know what this election's about. Regardless of this debate, regardless of all the commentary and all the news writing afterwards. The media are our enemy. The media want Trump to lose and Biden to win. And if Biden wins and if they take the Senate, you will not recognize your country. And God forbid for your children and your grandchildren. This will no longer be a constitutional republic. They've made it abundantly clear. I don't care how emotive... Harris is. I don't care how compassionate she comes off. I don't care about all her one-liners. This is what the media care about. The interruptions and all that. That's all surface-level BS. That's all in the bubble. If Biden and Harris win, they're going to destroy family-owned farms. How do I know? They're going to drastically slash the cap on the inheritance tax. So that may not affect a lot of you, but it'll affect people who have farms and equipment and animals and crops. And I can go down the list on their tax plan. It's massive redistribution of wealth. And is it to help people? No. They want to redistrib- redistribute wealth 
to subsidize those groups and organizations who back the Democrat Party. This is a power grab like we've never seen in American history. Never before. Keep all this in mind. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. We wish our vice president, who's a wonderful and decent man, all the best tonight. As I wish all of you. Be strong and be active. Very active. And I'll see you tomorrow. God bless. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.